You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Turcotte left corner, drops it back for Madden. Nice stick handling, defeated again left side by the circle. Dersey to the right point. Tynan centering feed, tipped in front, they score! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Eldon left point by Tynan, backhands it to the middle, drops it back, Ferk shoots, deflected, score! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with superior skin care that the pros love, L.A. Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. With the team on the road, I had a chance to make the drive out to Ontario to catch some rain games. Jared Shaffron and Josh Schaefer do an excellent job of covering the rain. You've heard them here before. So I brought them back to talk about Ontario and to remind everybody that a new season of the Rain Check podcast will be starting next week with Jared and Josh bringing you highlights, interviews, and insights into the rain and all the Kings prospects playing out there in Ontario. After that conversation, we've got Dami Didia to walk us through the LA Kings promotions calendar for the season. There's some great giveaways planned, and I always find it interesting to see what sort of planning and negotiating goes into some of the decisions that get made that Kings fans maybe are not privy to. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. Joining me now, two gentlemen that you should get yourself familiar with. We've talked to them before. We're going to talk to them again. And starting very soon, they can be heard on their own podcast, The Rain Check. Covering the Ontario rain. Ordinarily, we'd have an episode covering the Kings, but today we're taking a rain check. I really feel like that should have been at the top of this, but uh, whatever. Jared Shaffron, how are you doing today, Jared? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, we're here for the rain puns all, all day. I've been uh, going with hashtag stay dry myself. So no, there you go. <laughs> Josh Schaefer, how are you doing today, Josh? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, a cool Twitter handle like uh, Jared with Shafrain for Shafrain. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Plenty we'll figure time. something out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Shafrain the- doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, no. then that would be a little too... We, we already got enough similarities with the names. That's right. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so the Kings and the Rain are both three games into their season, but we're here to talk about the Rain. They are 2-0-1 so far in three games, two against the Abbotsford Canucks, one against the San Diego Gulls. Jared, we're going to start with you. In these first three regular season games, what to you has been the biggest takeaway so far? To me, I think the takeaway is that the ceiling is very high for this team, and we knew that coming in. I said that everywhere that, hey, the expectations are high, the ceiling can be be great, but having seen the first three games – the team is nowhere near their ceiling. There's a lot that still needs to be adjusted, worked on. Guys are still familiarizing themselves with each other. There is a lot of room to grow. And yet here we are, the team has gotten five points out of a possible six. They're two Oh Oh one. So it's been a good start in the standings, but we haven't really seen them put together a total 60 minute effort. I think the first game against San Diego is probably uh, really their best effort, which is funny because in, in the preseason, they struggled with San Diego last year. I was told they struggled with San Diego. So that's kind of surprising to say that that's the team they played the best against, but it's also, you know, the best home opener crowd, uh, a momentum, things like that. When, when you're in your building on opening night. So before the season spoke to John Robleski and he said, I love that we start at home with five games because we've got our crowd. We don't have to travel. But if we're not playing our best, uh, we, we don't want to lose a lot of points in five home games to start off the season. So far through three of them, the team has played great uh, as far as the points go. But I think Robleski, he would love some practice time to start working on some of these things that are going wrong that he hasn't been able to fix. Josh, what's the biggest takeaway in these three games for you? Uh, I, I'd like to echo what Jared had said. I think I'm going to go in a direction of more um, takeaways from a couple different players. Mm-hmm. And 
the first player that has stood out to me through the first three games uh, has been TJ Tynan. He's stepped in and he's done exactly what one was expected of him from the coaches and two, what we expected him to do three games into the season. And he's got five assists and John Robleski has said repeatedly, the guy's an assassin. He figures out ways to facilitate the offense and pass the puck around uh, and put the puck into the back of the net. And right now he's still looking for his first rain goal. But TJ Tynan has five assists through three games, including an assist on an overtime winner um, and a game-tying goal in the third game of the season against Abbotsford when Ontario had their backs against the wall for the first and only time this season. Um, so I think that TJ Tynan's been really impressive through the first couple of games. Um, and as a team, the power play has not looked very consistent, but four power play goals through three games is something that we did not see anything close to from Ontario last year. It was a power play that was not very good at all. One of those power play goals came in garbage time, and one of them was a goal that came off of a funny bounce, and Braden Burke was in the right place at the right time. But I think John Robleski will tell you, I'll take it. The team will take it. It's getting some good looks on a power play that still even hasn't been super consistent this year. They've had one really good power play, one really bad power play. Um, so I think uh, getting a little bit more balanced uh, on special teams, I think is something that we'll see from the team moving throughout the course of the season, especially here early on. My takeaway as a Kings fan um, and somebody who pays a lot of attention to the rain is that last year, and this sort of piggybacks off of Jared's point, last year they got off to a terrible start. Right, I can't remember if it was one and eleven or one and twelve or one eleven and one or something, but I mean it was just awful, and there was all sorts of hand, hand you know, hand wringing and pearl clutching and Sturm and Drong and is this the wrong coach? Are these the wrong guys? Have they drafted the wrong players? Why are they? Be-? You know, blah 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 blah. And they turned it around, and they were a lot more fun in the second half. And so this season, it's only three games. I'm going to stress that, but in those three games, to Jared's point, they have not looked like their their final form. And, you know, they gave up three goals after taking a two-goal lead early in Game 3. But this season, it just feels like they're finding ways to win or get back in games. Whereas last season, to start out, it felt like they were finding a way to lose games. And I've seen a lot of, uh, I think I used the word truculence when I was talking to Robleski. But it feels like if anybody breathes on a guy wrong, there's three guys in rain jerseys in his face, you know, telling him what they think about it. And, you know, we saw Turcotte, you know, tussling with uh, the Gulls goalie, whose name escapes me at the moment. You know, obviously there was the fight. There was the this high stick that caught Dudas and Dursey and Turcotte went nuts. I mean, this just seems like a, a team whose identity is completely different from last year. And as a Kings fan, it's really rewarding to see. Um, any thoughts on that, Jared? Yeah, I think the point is absolutely well taken. And, and- they have 21 players. I guess now it's 20 because Kapari got called up. But at the start of the year, 21 players that had been on the team last year. So the bonds are a lot stronger coming into the season than where they were at the beginning of the year or maybe even at the end of the year. You know, a lot of these guys have gone through training camps, rookie camps last season. You know, even before that, maybe it was rookie camps and training camps. And these guys have kind of bonded and become this young group of players in the King system. And you can see it on the ice for sure. I, I think, you know, that's a great point that they're sticking up for each other. They they want to be in these games and they're finding a way. Uh, and, you know, it, it presents an awkward situation for Robleski a little bit. Like I heard kind of the, the tail end of what he was saying in the locker room after the game uh, on Tuesday. And I, it was a very mixed message. It was good teams find a way to win. And we did that. And he was proud of his players for – figuring out how to get two points. But he was also very upset at the fact that he knew they could have been better. And he felt like, you know, they, they did figure out a way to win, but they shouldn't have been in that situation. They had a two nothing lead. They were dominating in most facets of the game. So they shouldn't have even had to go to overtime in the first place. So it was a learning lesson, but also it was a, I'm so proud of you because you still won. (laughs) Josh, you saw this team down the stretch the second half of last season. How much better can this team be with the addition of guys like maybe Kaliev down the stretch, maybe Thomas when he comes back from, you know, from surgery? Like there are still key members of this organization that are not available to them uh, to start this season. 
Yeah, and, and those guys that are key members aren't even role players. They're not even veterans that are going to come in and have kind of that leadership role. These are proven goal scorers from last year. And early on, Tyler Madden, I thought, looked pretty good last year, and then he got hurt and missed most of the season. Uh, and very early on, he's everywhere, and he's been a big-time impact player for, for the Reign through three games. He scored the game-tying goal with uh, the extra skater on the ice on uh, on Tuesday against Abbotsford. Um, and then you add players like Kaliev and to maybe Thomas, maybe Kupari um, later down the line, um, and it's a lineup that you continue to plug more bodies into, right? And you got to figure out what you're going to do with all these guys, but you're also plugging in a heck of a lot more talent than you already have. Um, and it's interesting because of the of the way that the team has been made up this year. Um, last year, you had players getting hurt early. You had Cameron Gaunt's missing time. Um, you had um, Tyler Madden was was missing some time. There were a lot of players that got hurt last year. And so halfway through the season, all right, we need somebody else that's going to contribute to the scoring a little bit. Let's sign Adam Johnson. All right, we need somebody who's going to be a little bit more of a leader. Let's sign Devontae Smith-Pelly. So you add these guys to the team, but then... Toward the end of the season, Gauntz comes back. Marty Furt comes back and lights it up. Matt Luff comes down from the Kings, and you have all these additions that kind of spark the lineup. This year, you already have those types of players in the in the lineup that were on the opening night roster for Ontario. And then looking down the line, I don't think we can anticipate more depth players, more veteran players, more leader players, like leadership type players added to the lineup. You're going to add more of the skill guys too. You're going to add the proven goal scorers um, who are still young, who are still striving prospects as the season goes on. So I think that that's a really good thing for the rain moving forward. Jared, Coach Robleski is a young dude in in terms of you know hockey front office uh, ages he's 40 years old if i have that correctly born in yeah born in 81 he's 40 years old um looks way younger um incredible head of hair drives me crazy uh he talks about things in a way that i'm frankly not used to hearing a head coach talk about and whether or not they are actually novel or unique there have been about three or four things that i've seen from the rain that I don't know that I've ever seen before. And they're subtle and they're minor and and they may not be important or they may be things that happen all the time and I just have never noticed them before. But I've watched hundreds if not thousands of Kings games and Kings affiliates games in my lifetime. And John Robleski brings something new to the organization and to the sport. I'm curious from your perspective, how much uh, of the team's success might be derived from the fact that this guy is clearly an, a part of the new breed in in the hockey world? I think he is, but also he still has some of those things that he can relate to someone who is a little more old school and mm-hmm. also the newer school. Like I think he's almost um, someone who has that versatility that can be – understood by an older player like Brett Sutter, the captain, mm-hmm. or by, you know, a young new player that just jumped into pro hockey like most of the roster is. He, he <laughs> kind of transcends that. So his message, he treats obviously the players as adults. Uh, he treats them very maturely. But I agree. I, I think it's hard for me to say, you know, only three games in, if they have a lot of success, yes, it's definitely attributed to him because <laughs> right. I don't want to take away from, from the guys on the ice either. I, but I think what I, what I know from him and what I, what I can see so far is the expectations for each and every player individually are out there. It's a very easy way to communicate. He is not finishing practice closing the door and shutting himself off from the rest of the room. But he's also not finishing practice and going over to everybody's stall and saying hello and being chummy with everybody. He's got a very good balance to his doors open. If you need something, he's there and he's he wants to be there. He cares about his players, but he's also not trying to be overly involved and he's letting the leaders police the room. He has enough veterans in the room that he, he doesn't need to treat them uh, and overstep his bounds, treat them as as youngsters. No, that's why you've got Marty Furk. That's why you've got Sutter, Tynan on the goalie end, Sparks, you know, many different guys, Cameron Gaunts. All these guys are veterans that have been around the league, and a lot of them have played in the NHL. So he doesn't have to be overly uh, policing everything, but 
he's very approachable as well. So I think it's great, uh, and, and we'll see how it goes. Josh, any thoughts on uh, the upper management of the Ontario Reign? Well, I think that um, I think it's worth pointing out that in the past, the Reign slash Manchester Monarchs have had some pretty pretty darn good coaching staffs um, throughout their existence. And I think when you see the change made before last season and John Robleski comes in, that's a testament to what he brings to the organization, not what coaching staffs and coaches from the past have done and um, the success that they had, um, which was substantial. You bring in John Robleski, who's a player or who's a coach that uh, had relationships with some of these players that are now on the reign. I mean, he, he, he coached him with the national team development program. And I think his style um, and part of the style that is with USA hockey, as opposed to hockey Canada, for example, really fit what the Kings were trying to do. I think that fit the upper management. I think it fit the organization and with the players that were then being brought into the organization. And I think that's why he's a really good fit. And kind of like what Jared said, Seems like his door is always open, and he's a player that not only can relate to some of the older players in the organization with an old-school mentality, maybe, um, like Brett Sutter, um, like Cameron Gauntz, bringing in a player like TJ Tynan, who he continues to call his assassin, but also the way that he works with the young players in the organization and obviously the state of the franchise right now. There's a lot of young players, and I think that's where he fits best, and... um, and I think that that shows the relationship that not only he has with the players, but also with some of the members of the front office and hockey operations with the Kings and the Reign. All right, let's talk about some specific players. Josh, we're going to start with you on this one because, like I said, you you called a bunch of games last season. The one player that it captured my attention for whatever reason in the two games that I've watched in person so far this season is Jacob Mubarari. And he was drafted, and when he was drafted, he was called, uh, I think they said he had the highest IQ of any player in his highest hockey IQ of any player in his draft. But the knock on him was that maybe he was a bit slow and not a strong skater played in Sweden for a number of years, comes over to North America last season, quickly gained a lot of accolades and praise as being maybe the most reliable defenseman in the lineup last season. And then this year they've used him in a bunch of different situations. The two that caught my attention were he was out there with Ferk and Tynan to start overtime uh, the other night against Abbotsford in the first game. And then uh, they took a penalty, and he was back out uh, once the power play was over. But to start and finish the overtime, he was out there, which sort of caught me by surprise because I always think of him as a sort of defensive defenseman. And then he was paired with Jordan Spence in the second game against Abbotsford, and I bumped into a member of the Kings development team at the game and just quickly said, you know, what do you make of Mouvrare? And he had all the praise that we just mentioned for him. And I asked, you know, is putting him with Spence – sort of akin to making him a set of training wheels for Spence. You know, is is, is that the way to interpret that? Is that he's plays such a solid game that you can put him with a talented rookie who maybe has some work to do, you know, to get up to speed to the league and, you know, everything you'd expect out of a rookie. And he's sort of backed off and he said, I'm not sure training wheels is exactly the phrase I'd use. But yes, it, it shows that they trust Muvarari so much um, that they're willing to have him play that role. So Josh... Can you talk about uh, what you've seen from Muvarari and his evolution uh, just in the brief less than calendar year that he's been playing for Ontario? Well, there was a conversation I had with with Daryl Evans last year um, in the shortened season, all the games at, in, in El Segundo at TSPC, and we had talked about the players that had played on the Kings, um, specifically Clegg and Strand, and what he had to say about them was when you have your time in the NHL especially as a defenseman, especially as a young defenseman, and you don't stand out in those games, that's probably pretty good because you don't really want to stand out. You want to fit in. You want to do what you're supposed to do, and then that's what's going to stand out more rather than trying to stand out. Then you go down to the AHL, and maybe it's a little bit different. For me, last year, Moverari was a consistent piece of, of the Reign defensive core, But to me, there were other players that stood out a little bit more. And this year, through through camp a little bit, through the preseason games, and now through these first three three games of the season, I think Moverari has really stood out to me in the AHL in a very good way. Um, He's been aggressive in um, helping 
add to the rush, join the rush, add to the offense a little bit. And he's been pretty good in his own end too. Um, and, and I think that's what stands out to me is he seems a lot more comfortable out there. He seems like he's a much better fit in the lineup every single game now. Um, and like you said, I liked how he was paired with Spence. And then that first game in overtime, first overtime game of the year, it's kind of like, all right, what are you going to get from this team in three-on-three overtime? And he's out there to start things out, um, start things for the rain on the ice in the three-on-three. Um, and I think that's showing a little bit more trust in him, especially after um, he does log what is what will be dubbed as a full season last year. It really wasn't, but for, for lack of a better term, it was a full season. Um, and uh, I think that's what, what stands out is the fact that he seems so much more comfortable and they're relying on him to do more things, uh, and I think it's paid off. And three points and a plus three in three games, not bad. Jarrett, uh, what do you like about Muvarari? Does he look like I mean, he's not a rookie anymore, but to Josh's point, less than a real full season. Does he play like a rookie in your mind? Definitely not. And they're not using him like a rookie either. You know, the the usage is really how you can tell the rookies like Spence and Granz have only had, you know, a game or two. They're they're out there. They're getting chances. They're being utilized, but they're not heavy minutes like you're seeing some of the other players like Dersey, Strand. Obviously, Kale Clegg is getting a ton of minutes right now. And Moverari fits into that into that category. He is out there in all situations. He's generating some offense. He's not turning the puck over and putting it in bad areas. I, I think he's overall been a defensively responsible defender while generating three points in three games, <laughs> which you know most people would say, wow, you're a point-of-game defenseman, but he's not joining the rush and doing it in maybe a more traditional stand, stance. He's just taking what's there, getting the puck to the net when he can. And his, his goal was a really nice shot. So he's not exactly out there to shoot the puck every time he has it, but he's just playing smart. And I think the coaching staff loves that. Let's talk about goaltenders real quick. If you look at every other position in the Kings pipeline, you can, you know, I don't know how accurate it would be, but I think your average fan would be able to generate a depth chart that looks similar to every other fans, right? You know, Byfield's your number one center. Kaliev's your number one winger. You know, Clark is probably the defensive prospect with the highest ceiling. You know, there might be some deviation here and there once you get down the list, but I think most lists would probably look somewhat similar. When it comes to goaltending, I think it sort of depends on who you talk to and what day you catch them on. Uh, If you were to ask them who's the sort of leader in the clubhouse to emerge as the top goaltending prospect. So far, Matt Villalta has played two games. Jacob Ingham has played once. We'll start with Ingham because it's small a sample size, but a strong performance out of the huge goalie. Right? Yeah, Jared? Yeah, I think Jacob Ingham has moved up in my book. Um, I, I think that in his second season, he's shown a lot more maturity than what I saw in his first pro season. And that, that I'm including the rookie tournament and preseason because – you know, he's only had one regular season game. And no, he was not perfect in that regular season game, but it's coming. Uh, who, who, of, who of us is ever perfect? I know. And, and it's it's coming, you know. And I think you definitely see him making strides and getting better. He's definitely grown the most of any of those goaltending prospects. So I don't know that he's at the top of my depth chart, but I've seen the most growth out of him over the last couple of months. Josh, I – am completely biased when it comes to this subject because I like Matt Villalta so much personally. It's one of the reasons that I've often resisted the urge to get to know the players or to have personal relationships with them because I prefer, I like being able to look at a player. And even though you'll never hear me say it of specific players on the podcast or on the telecast, I like privately being able to go, oh, that guy stinks. I don't like him. Get rid of him. Um, I cannot be objective about Matt Vallalta anymore because I like him so much personally. But Josh, you saw him play last season. It was a rough season for all of the goalies last year. I don't think it's really fair to judge any of them on the results of last season. So how have you seen him grow uh, over the off season and uh, early to start this season? He just seems a lot more comfortable. Um, I mean, for, for one thing, and this is more of a, a of a goaltending thing than it is a, a maturity or a, comfortability thing but I mean we saw him in Arizona in one game game one of the rookie faceoff was thrown in last minute and had a 23 save shutout um, and was not expected to be there at all 
And that was game one against Colorado, which we all thought was probably going to be the Kings' toughest matchup in, in Arizona. Uh, and he looked really good. And the one thing that jumped out was he's not giving up very many rebounds. And so far, we saw him twice already and haven't seen him give up too many rebounds. And I think that's one thing that, that has stood out to me is not only was it him having some struggles last year, but it was everybody. Um, and part of that last year was, you know, the rain can score or they can average three and a half goals every game, right? They're giving up more than that. Um, and that was a big problem for Ontario last year, even as even as they continued to impress later in the season and they got a lot better and they improved and they were impressive later on. They're still giving up a lot of goals. They had to score a lot of goals to win. And that was just the, the defense not being super experienced. And there were some injuries. And then the goaltending was constantly a rotating door because guys were getting called up and sent back down. And he was obviously in that mix. And I think that he does look a lot more comfortable. Um, I think that he, from a technique standpoint, has just improved or a technical standpoint I think he's improved and again I think Jared and I talked about this the last time we, we did one of these and it was all right maybe at the beginning of the season you're thinking Garrett Sparks was brought in to maybe be the number three for the Kings if anything happens in the NHL and I think that has flipped a little bit for me I think Valalta has emerged as potentially the Kings number three at this point um, and Garrett Sparks and, and Jacob Ingham are also in the mix uh, especially for the rain We've not yet seen Jarrett Sparks in the regular season. Um, I'd be curious, if for no other reason than to see what that mask looks like uh, in a proper game. Jarrett did a great job uh, breaking down uh, his mask. We're going to wrap it up here, guys. But uh, anybody listening, again, Josh and Jarrett cover the Ontario Rain. They will have their own podcast, The Rain Check, debuting very soon. You can find that at lakings.com slash podcast or wherever fine podcasts are curated. Before we go, though, one real quick uh, opportunity for both of you to sort of uh, introduce yourselves officially to Kings fans. Jared, what should we know about you and your experience in the world of hockey? Um, well, Sum up I, your life in two seconds. No, no pressure. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, I'm uh, someone who loves the game. Uh, definitely, hopefully bring a, a good mixture of, of hockey analysis with you know, some lightheartedness as well, uh, making some jokes and having a good time. And I think you'll hear that on the podcast. I think you'll hear that on the broadcast. Um, you know, it's not only going to be all hockey all the time. You might, you might, there might be something else that, that gets thrown in there, but um, been around the game for, for a good amount of time now and love it. So I'm looking forward to having the podcast. I think was able to do one, uh, where I was previously in, in South Carolina. And it was a really good time, uh, specifically for the interviews. I think, you know, I'm always looking to hear from what the fans want. If there's some somebody who people are interested in hearing from, whether it's someone within the Rain organization or someone in the AHL or someone in the Kings organization that, that has a tie-in, you know, willing to explore having those kind of people on, uh, you know, some of the interviews that stood out. I, I had the head of officiating for the ECHL on my old podcast. And that was a really interesting uh, conversation because we discussed the league and hockey. And then we got to discuss all of what was going on with COVID and how they were playing a season. And um, you know, that, that, and I had a bunch of other guests that just a wide variety, equipment managers, training staff, people, head coaches, assistant coaches, whatever it was, other broadcasters, um, you know, happy to explore any of that. So Feel free to reach out if, if you've got an idea of somebody you want me to me and Josh to talk to. That's right. And at Shafrain again, S-H-A-F-R-E-I-G-N on Twitter. And Josh, same uh, same challenge goes to you. I mean, we've had you on before. Uh, we talked to you last season. You told us uh, all about your SoCal roots and your first Kings game and everything. But uh, refresh the listeners real quick uh, who you are and what you'll be bringing to uh, your rain coverage this year. Yeah, I'm an L.A. guy. I, I grew up watching the Kings, Dodgers, Lakers. Uh, I'm an Arizona State Sun Devil, so if you want to talk college hockey and you see me at a game, let me know. Um, but, yes, Arizona State does have a Division One hockey team. But, yeah, I'm excited to do this podcast too. I mean, um, something that stood out to me is I, I feel like game days, I'm a pretty serious guy, and then I step into the booth and I start goofing off, which I think generally you'd think it'd be the other way around. Um, but get into the booth and – Whatever, dancing, singing, vibing, whatever you want to do, 
prior to a broadcast. And Jared didn't mention this, but man, was it a relief when we got in there for the first game and Jared was the exact same way. So <laughs> say, there's a lot of dancing gonna, going on. In the booth yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's gonna, I think that's gonna, um, be relayed over to the podcast as well. Um, I, I've done radio shows and podcasts with a couple buddies and on student radio and, and, and doing a, a popular podcast on my friend's YouTube channel. So he's, <laughs> he's cool. He's the cool one. We just piggyback off him, sure. but we like to talk about a bunch of fun things and, uh, something that stood out to, to me, uh, back when the Kings won the Stanley cup was Nick Nixon and said, the game is all about the players. And then my addition to that is, and also the fans. So kind of reiterating what Jared said, Games about the players. Like we want to talk about the players. We want to hear and learn more things about them, and we want the fans to know those things too. Um, at the same time, we don't want to have a hockey podcast that's not about hockey. But <laughs> I want to dive into these things about like who the players really are and what the fans really want to hear. So that's what I'm really excited about for for some of our rain coverage this year. And you won't necessarily hear that just on the podcast, but on the broadcast as well, and um, and on any other content that we've been planning on putting out as well. So excited to be here. Excited to work. With with you guys and uh i think the rain are probably going to be pretty good this year so we'll see what we get 2-0-1 so far uh, i'm looking forward to all of the coverage you guys are going to put out real quick josh chargers or rams rams all right there we go rams guy and uh mm-hmm. jared i'll ask you because i know you won't have a have a, a preference but uh, usc or ucla no preference uh <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think you know to, to get on anyone's bad side here. I I, I will say I am a uh, kind of like a quiet college football hater. Uh, oh, I know I like you for a reason. I I it's not that I don't it's not that I don't love the game of football because I mm-hmm. tend to like football. But the problem I have is the bureaucracy of college football. It gets to me uh, the whole like way that the playoff teams are chosen. I am like I hate all of the nonsense that goes with that, and uh, I think it's uh, it's tough to be a fan because it's just like it doesn't seem fair. So I'm kind of a, a hater on the system of college football. Well, I feel a future uh, the rain check episode coming up out of that. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up here though. Thank you guys so much for listening. And again, Kings fans, if you want to follow the rain, and you should, and you should also follow Josh and Jared because if the, the last ten years have shown us um you know people come into this organization and they stick around and they move up and you know zach dooley used to cover the rain and now he's covering the king so pay attention to josh pay attention to jared they're both great guys and i think you're gonna love everything they do thanks for joining me jays thanks jesse thanks jesse all right joining me now dami didia director of marketing and content publicity how are you doing today dami i'm great how are you Excellent. We're here to talk about the promotion calendar for the LA Kings. But before we get into that, um, listen, I have a I have more than one box. I have boxes in my closet full of promotional stuff that I've collected from over the years from the Kings going all the way back to I think, gosh, I think the mid 80s is the earliest thing I have about like a cup, a, a plastic cup that we got with players faces on it. Um I've gotten more selective as I get older and I, as I run out of space, but one item that I have not yet gotten my hands on and I've seen a lot of people asking about is the uh, the chains that go around your neck that have a giant uh, Chevy logo, Gretzky era logo attached to them. Uh, please tell me that there will be more of those given out at future games because I, somehow I missed <laughs> missed my opportunity. Yes, those are a bit of a surprise and delight type of thing that we're doing, um, giving given out from our game entertainment group who's, who's led by Wonton Davis. This was his um, brilliant idea, but there are, there are more chains and they will be given out in fun ways over the entire season. I'm not going to lie. Zach Dooley is currently on the road with the team and he left his behind at his desk. (laughs) And I was in the office and thought long and hard about slipping it into my backpack. And then Jack Jablonski came by and was talking to me and he saw it and he hasn't gotten his yet either. And he, threw it around his neck and I sort of said like, well, you better not take that at Zach's. And he jokingly said, not anymore. And I, uh, I felt uh, dumb for not taking my opportunity, but he did put it back. But uh, yeah, but we're definitely looking forward to getting those. So let's go through this uh, calendar because as always, there are some fun nights on it first up and it's right around the corner is the Dia de los Muertos night, um, which is that October 20th, sorry, 30th, October 30th versus yep. Montreal. Um, what can we expect from uh, from Dia de los Muertos? 
So yeah, this is a fun. It's our first one o'clock game of the year versus Montreal. So it's going to be a great game. Obviously seeing Deneau play his, play his old team. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is presented by Delta Airlines and we have a fun giveaway as a tote bag that we're getting that fans will get once they exit the game. Um, and then if you buy the ticket pack, which is at LAKings.com slash Dia de los Muertos, you get a bobblehead, which is featuring, if anyone remembers in 2019 for our Dia de los Muertos game, we did a really cool skull design that was on a new era cap. Mm-hmm. And those were really popular. Those sold out. And then we started selling them at Team LA as well in 2019. Um, so the bobblehead itself is featuring the design, um, kind of continuing that creatively over the years of that, the skull that we released that year. Um, so that and the tote bag both feature that. So those are really great items. Um, this year, our philosophy with bobbleheads is we're going the ticket pack route, which I can explain the difference between a ticket pack and a giveaway, because I think our fans need to kind of um, wrap their heads around that. It's a little bit different than we've done in the past. So a ticket pack is when you buy a ticket to the game and you get an item included. Um, there are opportunities for season ticket members to add on those items, um, just to have them talk to their rep and they can figure that out. Because obviously season ticket members already have tickets to the game. But so if you buy a ticket to Dia de los Muertos through the ticket pack um, at the at the link lakings.com slash Dia de los Muertos, you will get a bobblehead and then everyone in the arena will get a tote bag. I'm so, going to have to figure out how to get a bobblehead too. Then. Yeah, we can get you a bobblehead. Don't worry. Um, there's This year has been really interesting with obviously the pandemic and everything going around on in the world with importing. So we, we've we we've done uh, the bobbleheads as ticket packs. Um due to a bunch of different reasons with how many we can make. Um, so this year our bobbleheads will all be ticket pack items, um, but the tote bags are really great and nice and will be good for, you know, especially people coming to the game. They're great for trick-or-treating if you can use them the next day or your kids can. Um, so that'll be fun. Perfect. And as you mentioned, the next day is Halloween. Both of these games, incidentally, are 1 p.m. games. So if you're planning on coming out and if you don't want your kids to miss Halloween just so you can watch the Kings play the Buffalo Sabres, don't worry about it. I, for example, will be leaving immediately from the game and heading down (laughs) to my friend's house in costume (laughs) to hand out candy. So the next day is Halloween, uh, the Halloween family day, 1 p.m. versus the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, I have to admit, I am an old so I don't know what the giveaway is, but it is a fidget popper. Yes, I too am an old, as I like how you said that. And this was something that was introduced to us over the summer by Evan Flagg on our ticketing team, who has kids. And a fidget popper is one of those. I wish I, uh, I'll give you one, obviously, Jesse, but they, <laughs> like, they're actually so fun to play with. They're like little things that you can play with. It's kind of like when people were doing fidget spinners a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Um, anyway, so we're giving those out, um, to any kids that want to take them as they enter the game. Um, I think some adults will want to take them too, because they're really fun to play with. It's almost like bubble wrap that you play with that doesn't make a loud noise and you can play with it forever. I just Googled it and I'm, yes. my first thought was it was, I don't know if you're, I don't think you probably are old enough to remember there used to be these rubber discs that you could push and you could sort of invert them put them on your desk and then yes. they would pop up by lids. i thought that was that for a second but you know f- what do you call it flubble wrap uh bubble wrap no oh, like thought... you know, like when people like to play with yeah. bubble wrap it's like that but they don't make noise which is what, what for you... parents what a world. <laughs> that's so, amazing yeah we're giving those out um on both family days that we have this year um we used to call them kids days just so everyone knows it's a continuation of kids days um so that's kind of like our 1 p.m um programming for kids and we know it's halloween so um people will get the tote bag the day before and then hopefully a fidget popper and they can bring them trick-or-treating with them if they want perfect the next uh date on our calendar is the salute to service presented by belfour on november 5th that is versus the new jersey devils at 7 30 p.m Yes. So that's our, um, of course, we have this game every year um, honoring our um, our fans in the military, in the ser- in service, in all different forms. Um, so presented by Belfour, um, we always do a great um, warm-up jersey for that. So that'll be fun. And yeah, that's um, Friday versus the Devils. Now, this is a, not a question that I had planned on asking, but last year, I noticed um, most of the time I don't 
pay a ton of attention to warm-up jerseys. They're, you know, the special warm-up jerseys. They're, they're, some are usually pretty cool, but most of them are sort of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't notice them. But for whatever reason, last year, I thought most of them looked really great. Any idea who actually designs those? <laughs> yes, it definitely is. It depends on the jersey. Um, it's a great team effort from Ashley Lane, our creative director, Lexi Mossler, our supervisor marketing, and um, Jen Pope on the Kings Care Foundation with Bobby Halfacre, who does uh, on the equipment staff with the Kings. So it depends on the game. Um, different ones are designed with different league initiatives, um, uh, depending on what they come from. But we're definitely making more of an effort to make these jerseys unique and to get different design elements included. Um, and there'll be some great ones this season as well. Well, bravo, because last year, like I said, I thought last year they were really, really good. Um, not that they weren't prior. I just, for whatever reason, I didn't actually notice. <laughs> prior. Yeah, last year was the first year of our um, undefeated partnership. And that was yeah. probably one of our one of our most unique warm-up jerseys um, that we're looking to do again this year. So that was one that we were really excited about for sure. All right, jumping ahead, we have Chargers Night on November 30th. Uh, and the Chargers are good, right? Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Chargers Night um, is one that we've done. I believe this is the third year in a row with them. Uh, all the all the teams in LA are great to work with, and especially the Chargers always bring a bunch of players and, and their whole staff comes along, and it's a really great um, co-branded night with the two teams. Um, this year, we're not doing a, a full arena giveaway for Chargers Night, but we are doing a ticket pack which will be a Jersey shirt as we're doing for all of the sports theme nights. Um, so it'll be a really awesome um, chargers and Kings theme Jersey shirt that you can buy through LAKings.com slash chargers. And like I distinguished before, that's, that's a ticket pack item. So you have to um, buy the ticket pack that comes with the ticket plus the item um, in order to get that Jersey shirt. So that's um, a great item that we're going to release the design of in a, in the next couple of weeks here. You mentioned uh, sports nights, the next date on our calendar, Lakers night, January 8th versus the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, Detroit is not the force that they used to be when it came to uh, sending fans to Staples Center. I'll be curious. I, I know we probably can't take this sort of poll, but I'd be curious to know how many Lakers fans there are in the building versus Red Wings fans. Hopefully, yeah. more, hopefully more Lakers fans. That would be interesting. I'd, I'd love to see that. It's, it's always fun with these sports nights when, when fans wear jerseys of of the other teams too, that we saw some, even the other night with the Dodgers playoff game on um, our fans wearing Kings and Dodgers stuff. So we love that when the crossover happens. Um, but yeah, the Lakers have been, we've done this a couple years in a row, I, I think maybe three or four. Um, and we, they always send someone great to drop the puck and be involved. We had um, Jeannie Buss there a couple years ago. We had Robert Ori, um, Lakers alum there. Um, so we're excited for that one as well, which will also feature a LA Kings and Lakers jersey shirt that would be purchased through the ticket pack as well. Next date on the calendar is Sports Night, Dodgers Night, presented by Blue Shield, January 18th. And uh, hopefully we'll be celebrating the back-to-back uh, -back World Series champions at that point. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, Dodgers Night is one of our biggest um, theme nights. It has been for, we've done this in partnership with them for, since I've been here, um, nine seasons. So it's, it's been one of our biggest theme nights over the years. The crossover is so organic with both um, uh, fan bases. So it's always super fun to work with them. Um, we did our Kings night at the Dodger game in September, a couple weeks ago, um, which was great. So this will also have a um, Jersey shirt, which we will release the design of uh, a couple weeks here. And um, through the ticket pack link, lakings.com slash Dodgers would be for, for that item. The next date is the date that I look forward to every year. Uh, for those who are not familiar, I go on the telecast on this day, and uh, our producer pretty much lets me do whatever I want. And uh, <laughs> not only am I an old, I am also a geek, and I love Star Wars, and I always have. And so Star Wars Night presented by Mammoth Mountain, February 26th versus the New York Islanders. There are two giveaways, and I make sure every year to get my hands on these. Yes, so we are doing Star Wars Night again presented by Mammoth, which is probably the third or fourth year we're doing it with them. They're such a great partner, uh, Mammoth Mountain, and they love Star Wars just as much as we all do. Um, so we're making us a, um, a beanie that's presented by Mammoth, which I think it's the third or fourth we've done in a row. These are our most um, high value uh, giveaway of the year, I would say. And then the Star Wars ticket pack is going to be a bobblehead which we have not released what player is being the bobblehead yet. We will do that in a couple mm. 
weeks here once we get this um, different things that need to be figured out with that. But it's going to be awesome. I can tell you that it's going to we have this bobblehead and the next one we'll talk about will be, I think, one of our best two bobbleheads we've ever made. Um, Lexi and Rachel on our end are doing great with making these that goes the amount of work that goes into a bobblehead. I would love to just do a podcast on that one day because it's actually so interesting. But yeah, the Star Wars and working with Lucas is always so fun. Um, we talked to them um, a couple weeks ago about how many characters we're bringing to the game again. So all of our your favorite Star Wars characters will be there and be in character. And it's always so fun to see, you know, stormtroopers watching warmups and um, <laughs> Chewbacca at the Fan Fest. And this game is a big game. Um, obviously Saturday night and we'll have a fan fest that day as well, which will be star Wars themed. And if you cannot make it there again, be sure to tune in. Cause I will most likely yes. be on uh, the intermission playing another star Wars themed game. Next up is another sports night. LAX, excuse me, <clears throat> LA galaxy night, March 15th versus the Colorado avalanche. And we have another Jersey shirt. Yeah. Another Jersey shirt with the galaxy. That's another um, really great partnership we do with, with them um, in the AG family. And we're, Always excited to work with them. It's right around the start of, of their season in March there with the MLS season. So LAKings.com slash Galaxy for that ticket pack as well. That's on sale. And another night that uh, when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have cared about or paid any attention to. But as I get older, I find being really, I don't even know what the word for, happy, proud, um, impressed, mm -hmm. all of those things. But it's Pride Night presented by Blue Shield of California, March 22nd. And I want to be real clear here. Um, part of the reason I'm so fond of it is that it is a league mandate, correct? Correct. Not that we wouldn't do it without. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a. It's obviously pride and hockey is for everyone is an initiative that we celebrate and promote throughout the entire season, um, all throughout the year. But we really do like to have a game that's all about um, the LGBTQ plus community and our Hockey is for Everyone initiative that we partner with the, the league on. So um, yeah, we're excited for this one. We will have a giveaway and a ticket pack that um, the item for those haven't been, haven't been announced yet. We're working on those, those will be really fun. Um, and we go all in on the uh, rainbow logo and we um, updated our rainbow logo to include um, brown, light blue and, and pink as well for the trans colors. So we're very excited about that and using that logo everywhere um, the last couple of years. And yeah, it's always a great game. It's always really fun. Um, we work with LA Pride every year on promoting the Pride Parade that happens in June. And we'll definitely be a, a main partner with them in 2022 as well. Now, the spiritual twin of Star Wars night is Superhero Night, March 26th. This is another night that I'm very excited for. Uh, what are we giving away for that one? Yes. Yeah, so Superhero Night is a partnership with Marvel that we have been working on for years, probably three years. We've been talking to Marvel about getting this done and we finally are able to get it done and we are all super excited. Um, so the there will be a bobblehead. There will be a player bobblehead, a player marvelized as a character um, that we will have. We will release in the next couple of weeks, next month here or so, um, along with a giveaway, which is a poster featuring that um player that has been marvelized and the artwork is unbelievable i can't wait for our fans to see it um it, it will be a you know as soon as you walk in the building that night everything will be marvel themed um we've talked to them about characters similar to star wars full graphic packages promotional packages um and we're we're really excited it's the first superhero night that we've we've had um and working with marvel has been such a joy so we're we're really excited for that one there's a detail in there that you snuck in that I'm really glad you did. We had uh, Luke on recently, and one of the things we talked with him about was the new jersey, the, mm -hmm. the alternate jersey. And, uh, you know, I told him a story about us interviewing David Courtney, the late great PA announcer who passed away in 2012, I think possibly 2013. He told us a story about introducing the Gretzky jersey at Gretzky's press conference and being worried that they wouldn't actually have the jersey in time because they had to design it, create it, fabricate it, you know, make a physical jersey to present to him. And it was delivered to the hotel like an hour before the press conference. Oh or something. And it was because of that event that the league introduced the rule that you have to give them two years heads up to change your jersey. And wow. I don't I don't think that fans know. I certainly didn't know until I started working officially with the team. But 
I don't think fans understand how many years go into some of these changes and promotions. And I see a lot of comments from fans, whether it's on social media or just in casual conversations about why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And I, when you said it took two or three years working on this superhero night, like these companies are huge, huge cruise ships of of entities. Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting too, because obviously we love theme nights. We love when our fans love our theme nights and there's so many things that we have tried and we have looked into things like Harry Potter theme night, things like um, Fast and Furious theme night, things of all these different things and the amount of licensing and approvals and licensing fees and contracts that go into just making a theme night. And then on top of it, you know, something like we're doing with Marvel as far as Marvelizing a player, which is just a fun term to say <laughs> that they, they that's a word that they use very seriously. Um, and on top of that, getting, you know, the player's approval, getting everything with that. So there is so much work that goes into each theme night, especially these ones where we co-brand, even with just the sports teams, even though it's on um, a smaller level, we, every single step is approved by Lakers, Dodgers, everyone that we work with. Um, and there's complications with different things like, they're a Nike team or Adidas team or different things like that. So there's so many different layers into making a theme night. Um, and then also with something like superhero, making sure that, um, you know, we, we do it in the right way and introduce it to our fans on like the perfect game. This, this superhero night is on a Saturday night against Seattle for a reason. It's going to be a huge game. Um, obviously it's the first time we play them at home. And there are Saturday nights. We always mean, mean a fan fest before the game. So, um, like I said, as soon as fans come to the fan fest, the whole the whole game will be Marvel. Um, we're working with we've been work, talking to them probably weekly since we we signed the deal two months ago. So it's been very exciting for for this game, and that's kind of our our newest and and biggest theme night for the year, I would say. Our final date on the calendar: April twenty third versus the Anaheim Ducks fan appreciation night. And this will be really the first proper fan appreciation night since 2019. Yes. Yeah, because we didn't have, yeah, I guess the end of the 1819 season. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, fan appreciation is always a great night. Um, obviously, we all definitely want to be leaning into playoffs at that point, which I think we can. I have a lot of faith in this team right now. Um, and we, always do fun things like Jersey off the backs. Um, there's tons of giveaways work with our really great sponsors on making sure that everyone leaves the game with something, whether that's popcorn Aquilas coupon or McDonald's coupon or anything um, like that. And we're, we're planning to do a, a giveaway for that game as well. Hasn't been announced what we're going to make yet. Um, but it's so late this year, April 23rd being our last home game. So mm-hmm. obviously that's because of the Olympic break in February. Um, but we're we're excited for fan appreciation. We always like this game um, to make sure that our fans are um, the focus and that everyone leaves with uh, some sort of gift. Well, I appreciate you being with me, Dami, and uh, walking us through all these events. And like I said, I hope I can get my hands on one of those logo change, which I now see hanging off the back of your desk there in the background. So. <laughs> I'll find you one. Don't <laughs> you worry. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, Dami. 